0: Hello and welcome to Cinebraskans, the Daily Nebraskan Entertainment Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-host.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is David Berman. I am the Daily Nebraskans Editor-in-Chief for the 2021-2022 school year. Very excited to assume that role very soon. Um, And yeah, for the next two weeks, I will also be the co-host of this cool movie podcast, with these cool movie bros as well as
2: Uh, I'm Mia Everding I am a grad student and a co-host of this podcast for another week and then I'm gone
0: Uh, and yeah as I said I'm Kyle Cruz I host this podcast uh, recently graduated from UNL and I'm just looking for something to do so I'm hosting this podcast for for the next week or two Um, but yeah. Uh, So on that note, we'll just jump into our first segment of the week, which is, What Have I Done? done, 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 done. And What Have I Done is a segment where we just talk about what movies or TV or whatever we've been consuming and whether or not it was any good. So as usual, Dave, let's start with you. What have you been up to?
1: Yes, so I've been, um, since I've been home, I've been catching up on some Superman and Lois, which I think I've mentioned before on this show. Um, it's one of the, it's the newest uh, CW DC show, um, which we've talked about at length on this podcast. Um, have very mixed thoughts on that, especially now. Um, I haven't really been watching any of those for a very long time, but yeah, I got into this one. Um, just kind of heard it was good uh, through the grapevine and wanted to check it out, and it's outstanding. Like I really, really like it a lot. Um, I just think, I, I feel like the character Superman works better almost in like an, a TV show format. Um, cause you just get a lot more of the character development, um, you know, behind Clark and his family. Um, so I guess like the general premise of this season of this show is that, um, Superman has been, Clark has been Superman for, um, like 20 years at this point. Um, and he and Lois Lane have, are married and have two kids. They have twins and they moved to Smallville in the pilot um, to just like get back to their, like just have more family time and remove like the distractions of, like, li- of living in metropolis. Um, and also the, both of the kids potentially have some powers that might be emerging. So they're trying to shelter them. Um, and yeah, and there are various threats going on and it's really about um, Clark and Lois kind of juggling their responsibilities as parents and their responsibilities as a very busy and important journalist and being Superman. Um, and yeah, it's just really, really good. I think Tyler Hecklin, who plays Superman, is amazing. He might be my favorite Superman at this point. Um, he, I think he has the kind of aw shucks like farm boy, like Clark Kent down. And he also has like the very confident and um, charismatic Superman down. Um, I think he kind of has like the best of at least the two most mainstream Supermans which is Henry Cavill and Christopher Reeves. Um, I just think he kind of has the best elements of those two. And he's also given just good material which which I think has been an issue for many Superman things in the past. So. Yeah, it's really great. Um, You know, it has definitely has some like wonky CW, CGI and and, um, teen angst that they just kind of throw in there for no reason. But overall, it's just really great. And I've I've been very pleasantly surprised by how much I've enjoyed this because I I think most of the other CW shows are just very bad now. So this one is good.
0: Yeah. um, So it's from the CW, but where are you watching it at?
1: Yeah. So I've just been watching it on the CW app. They have like all of them for free, um, with ads. Um, so I think they have the full catalog of shows. They might, they might remove some of the episodes as we get further into the season, but I'm not really, but like I had to catch up and I was on like episode nine and they had everything, everything one through nine. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very readily accessible if you want to watch it.
0: Yeah. Um, one of my complaints, so I haven't watched a lot of the CW shows anytime recently, uh, but one of my complaints uh, once upon a time was that there were a lot of like filler episodes and a lot of just like villain of the week type episodes. Um, is that really something that they do with this show?
1: Not really as much, actually. I think there are, you know, occasions and moments and episodes where Clark gets called to do to stop a shooting or to stop a bank robbery or to just do, or save a bus from falling off a cliff or, you know, classic Superman things. But, but it's it mostly has a very contained like arc and really focuses on, there is some mystery going on in Smallville and there's like a shady billionaire who wants to develop Smallville and mine and work and like mine something from the ground in Smallville. And it's really about like that mystery. And there's also a, um, in the first episode, there's like this, uh, futuristic um, fit, like guy in a suit who can like match up with Superman who shut up and, and there's a mystery of like who that guy is and at this point in the show like he's been revealed and that character's really really strong um, and yeah it just does a lot of good things with Superman and like the suit looks amazing and there's just a lot of like hell yeah I love Superman moments in the show so
0: yeah, I'll, I'll, I might end up waiting until like the whole season's out, and then I assume it'll end up mm. on like Netflix or something. Yeah, uh, for sure, I'll, I'll watch it there. Um, but yeah, you've definitely got me interested in it. Um, nice, but yeah, yeah.
2: I have a, I have a question for Dave. Um, yes how How old are the kids?
1: Oh, they're both in high school, um, so they're like. I'm not entirely sure what grade they are, but they're probably like sophomores or juniors in high school, it would seem. So they're having lots of teen angst and they're trying out for the football team and maybe theater sometimes. And like all of that stuff I could probably do without, but it's not like that bad. And I think the kids are good enough actors that I don't like hate them. So
0: You said Superman's like been Superman for like 20 years or so. Um, so I I googled it just out of curiosity and Tyler Hecklin who plays Superman is 33 years old (laughs) so yes
1: well I think he's at least been Superman for however long they've been alive because we see flashbacks where like Superman is meeting Lois at Superman for the first time so like it's been at least 15 years and I'd say probably more Um, but yeah there's a lot of And in general, something else I like about the show is that it doesn't really connect to any of the other shows. Like, I'm sure they will at some point, but there's just no mention of anybody else. And I like that. Um, There's no, like, trying to seed some crossovers or anything. I think part of that, and I'm very murky on the timeline here and what exactly is happening, but I know when the um both of these characters like Superman and Lois these actors played those characters on Supergirl and like other various crossovers and I know then like they didn't have kids or like they were just about to have kids and so I think they did like the whole Crisis on Infinite Infinite Earths crossover thing that like ended Arrow and through that they just kind of like retconned a bunch of shit and were just like you know we don't really need to like they just kind of changed whatever and so it's not very realistic that he um, has only been, that he's been Superman for 20 years, but like that's just kind of something that the show ignores, so. Yeah,
0: they, they blurred the lines a bit so they could tell the story they wanted to tell. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, Mia, what have you been up to?
2: Um, well, just yesterday, um, I finally got Hulu through having Spotify because I was driving home from Minneapolis and I really wanted to listen to uh, Hamilton and I didn't want to play it on YouTube so I got Spotify premium for students and that comes with Hulu so I finally activated Hulu which is really exciting and I was just looking at what was on there and I had wanted to see another round for for quite some time so I it was on Hulu and I was like all right sure why not so I, I watched it and I didn't like it, I don't think. (laughs) I don't think. It made me really, really sad. And I like that to a certain degree when it comes to movies, but this one was just like so dark. And I think there was some redemption for some of the characters, um, which is good because I think that's more realistic than having it be really, really just dark with no like silver lining whatsoever. But it was just really hard to watch. And I, I mean, I think it was it was one of those movies, the movies that's done really well that I just don't like. Like, it's really well acted. I think the pacing was, like, really, really good. Um, just a really strong storyline, I think, overall. But it just made me really sad. So I, I remember that you guys really had liked it and um, had wanted me to see it and were giving it a glowing review. So I was excited to finally see it, but it was just it was a lot more depressing, I think, than I was expecting. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, What did you think of Mads Mikkelsen's performance?
2: I think he was really good. I haven't really seen him in anything else central apart from, well, central. uh, In Doctor Strange and Rogue One and maybe some minor, minor side things. But I don't think I've seen him in anything else, really. Um, so it we was exciting to actually see him um, the lead. And I think I think his performance was really good. Like he was a really strong. And I think it was just a really well-written role. Um, not that he wasn't well-acted, but I think Dave, like what you were saying, like the tandem of a really well-written character, really good um, plot and script, and then coming alongside with like a really strong actor it's just a, a really great marriage. So yeah, I think it was really great.
0: Um, So I, I looked up uh, another round on IMDb just to see what it was nominated for to re- refresh myself. So it was nominated for, uh, or it, it won best Internet, international feature film at the Oscars this year, uh, but it was nominated for best director for Thomas Vinterberg. Do you have any qualms or like any just general thoughts about Um, those now that you've seen the film?
2: No, um, I think it's, it's harder for me to judge international just because that's the category that I've probably seen the least of. Um, And I'm trying to remember who else was nominated for best director. And I think that like really checks out that he was nominated. Um, I think that's really well deserved. Not that I, I don't think um, Zhao um, didn't deserve it. Like I think I wouldn't argue for his win over, over hers, but um, I think it's a totally well-deserved nomination for sure. Especially not seeing any of his other work. Like I think just having that as the standalone was really impressive.
0: Yeah. One thing that stood out to me about Another Round was the kind of balance of tones. Cause like you said like it is a very dark movie uh, at times, but then there's also, I think a lot of fun moments like inters, like mixed within the movie, just like moments of them just drinking a lot and having fun and just like doing this weird social experiment. Um I thought that was interesting. Um, I'm also just remembering that, uh, was it Leonardo DiCaprio that's making a, a US version of this? Do you have any reaction to that?
2: Um, I think it really, really changes the tone to have it set. I mean, I assume it's going to be set in the U.S. That might be erroneous, but I think it really changes it just because like the culture of drinking here is so different because of the legal drinking age versus in Denmark, where I assume it's 18, um, maybe 19. But it, I think it would completely, completely change the story and undermine like the character's motivation for doing this experiment maybe i could see maybe having them be college professors but even so that's so like not that's a totally different um approach to it like the kids in 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 another round are like studying they're in high school for a reason because they're really worried about like college acceptance so you'd have to come up with another like motivation for them i think so not not a fan of the idea of a remake like I think it works really well because it has that culture of like maybe more normalized drinking than here in the States where it's just different. And that, I hope that doesn't sound like really, uh, what's the word, not insensitive, but like I can't obviously speak for the culture of Denmark. I'm just speaking for how it's portrayed in that movie. So yeah, dumb, dumb idea. Come on, Leo. Those are my thoughts.
0: <laughs> Do you want to talk about your other thing on the dock?
2: Oh, I can momentarily. Um, not that it matters at all. It really doesn't. But I've been watching the Euros uh, recently. It's a big soccer competition. Um, it was supposed to be last year. So it's funny when you Google it. It's like Euro 2020 matches. And so it's funny because it, when you look at, like when you Google it, it comes up as Euro 2020 and not 2021, but it was postponed uh, because of COVID last year. So uh they have finished the teams have finished the first like round um basically and so today's games were really important for moving on to the next round and germany is my team and they had a really important match today that they needed to either win or get a draw and they got a draw so they're on to the next round but it's fun because i was watching it with my dad he's like a a soccer coach. He's played soccer his whole life in Germany is his team as well. And so he was like trying to figure out if they got a certain, uh, like outcome from the match, they would have to play England. Like if they get third place, they have to play England, but they have to get at least third place to move on to the next round, but he doesn't want them to play England because England's really good. So it's just fun watching it with him because he's like totally analytical about anything. And, uh, yeah, I, Germany scored to equalize it which they needed desperately and I like jumped out of my chair and was yelling and he was like well hold on hold on so it was fun watching it with him and yeah that's my
0: soccer update it's not often that we talk about sports on this podcast have we ever
1: talked about sports on this podcast we've talked about the field of dreams (laughs) that's the closest thing close enough yep um
0: but yeah in terms of what I've been watching uh as I've mentioned the past couple of weeks, uh, I've been re-watching the Harry Potter movies. Um, and last week I finished up watching watching all eight of the, the main Harry Potter movies. And I promised that I would give an updated list on my, my rankings of the Harry Potter movies. So I, I've got that, I'm pulling that up right now. Um, I don't remember what my list was when we talked about it back in November. I think I had Deathly Hallows part one as my favorite but spoiler alert, it is not my number one anymore. Uh, so, all right, I'm gonna start at the bottom and move up. So number eight, uh, and before I get into this, I think they're all really solid movies. Like literally all of them, I have rated either a three and a half star or a four star on uh, Letterbox. Like I think they're just very consistent in terms of quality. Um, but in terms of my personal favorites, I've got at eighth, uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, then number seven, I have Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Number six, I have Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Number five, I have Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one. Uh, number four, I have Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Uh, number three, I have Deathly Hallows part two. Um, number two, I have Half-Blood Prince. And number one, I have Prisoner of Azkaban. So yeah, I think they're all like really solid. I just think that there are some that the narrative's a little bit tighter. There's more sense of humor to it. I talked about that with Half-Blood Prince last week about how there was a lot more humor in that movie than I remembered. Um, and yeah, I think they're all really solid. I uh, don't really have all that much to say about them, um, but do you guys have any reactions to my, my updated list?
1: I, I think in general, I feel like I, I agree with a lot of those things. Um, I don't think I'd have Half-Blood Prince that high, um, but also I think I've only seen that full movie once. Um, so I definitely did revisit that one. Um, but yeah, in general, what, whether, was there anything like specific that kind of stood out to you on this rewatch or just something that like you appreciated about just the franchise as a whole that like you did it before?
0: Um, I think as I mentioned a little bit in weeks past, uh, I was surprised by how dark the movies were, like even early on, as early as Chamber of Secrets, Um, just like how dark they were willing to go with their characters and what was happening in the universe and just the general themes of the stories Um, that surprised me Um, but then also I think watching it now like having been as interested in film as I've been over the past few years it's been it was really interesting to watch just the character development from film to film um, and just to see like just how their arcs continue uh, movie to movie and year by year um, and as Dave said before on this podcast, uh man they lucked out with the cast that they that they had like early on like because they they didn't really recast any of the characters like even a lot of like the side characters like the other students and everything like they were all great um and they had them all like established in sorcerer's Stone and they just got older with the characters and I think it's incredible that uh, that they managed to not have any like real duds in there um but yeah that's about all I've got to say about Harry Potter. Um Yeah. I also want to just briefly talk about Loki. Uh, can't go into too many details. So like uh, episode three of Loki just came out uh, the day that we're filming this um, because these two are losers and have other things to do. They haven't watched the third episode yet. Um, but so I, I won't go into too much detail. But I think the first two episodes as a whole uh, were really good. I think it sets up a really interesting like form of sci-fi in the Marvel universe that we haven't really seen yet. I like just the whole timekeepers and the time variance authority and just everything they're doing with that. Uh, And I really like Owen Wilson's character, uh, Mobius. Um, And without going into too many details, I think episode three was a bit of a step down. Like I still thought it was good, um, but like it just wasn't of the same quality as the first two episodes. There's definitely a lot of character development in this episode, and I think there are moments that work really well, and there's specifically like character development development moments, um, but I don't know, there's, without spoilers, I will just say that Mobius is not in episode three. It's very much just like a Loki-focused episode, um, and I, I think the character works, um, but the setting I wasn't a big fan of, and without going into any details, because this is a very kind of, there's a lot of spoilers to be had with this character, Um, but there's a character in the show played by uh, Sofia DiMartino um, that I think her character is interesting on paper, but just isn't being executed the best in this show. Just like the way they're going about handling her and the writing I think is okay, but I think she might be miscast. Like I, I think she, like the vibe that she's giving off as an actress feels very much not along the lines of what that character is supposed to be uh, and maybe that'll change or become more uh, apparent why that's the case later in the show so maybe like as the show gets towards its conclusion uh, I'll do a 180 and think that she was great but as of now I'm not big on either her character or her performance um, but you know what i the previous two Marvel shows uh, this year I've loved uh, and I really like the first two episodes of this Loki show so I'm going to I'm not going to be too hard on this third episode of Loki. There are only six episodes here. So it's a little concerning that like this episode kind of felt like a bit of filler, um, but I'm assuming it'll pick up again next week. Cause again, there's only six episodes to tell this story and there's a lot to get into. Um, so yeah, from where you guys are at with Loki, uh, what are your, some of your general thoughts on it?
1: Yeah. So I'm two episodes in. Um, I thought the second one was even better than the first. Um, I just really like, just the vibes of Loki are just immaculate, I think, just like I love the production design of it, um, and the music's really great. And I think the dynamic between Owen Wilson and Loki is really excellent. so I'm kind of sad he's not in the third episode. Um, but yeah, I think from everything, I, and uh, Marvel stars love love teasing out things in these shows that are gonna happen. But every like interview I've seen with like Tom Hiddleston or the showrunner is like, just wait till episode four, because like after that, like things go crazy. So I'm um, kind of assuming this episode is, yeah, come before the storm and things will just kind of go nuts for the last three episodes. so
2: And I've only seen the first episode just because of time and I'm depending on someone else to watch it, so it depends on his schedule, which makes it complicated. Um, and it's also hard when it's like an hour long. I mean, you know 50 minutes or so like that's a bigger obviously a bigger uh commitment um i i mean i don't know i wasn't overwhelmed with joy at the first episode i think i really liked um owen wilson's character i think the 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 connection that he has with loki i think is really interesting and he's just being played really really well um i i was telling dave the last week that i didn't like what they were doing with loki like as a character like his personality it feels like they were breaking down a lot of like this seriousness which lends a lot of backbone i think to his character and just taking away a lot of like his motivation um and i don't i don't like that but that's only from seeing the first episode where he's like you know, completely overwhelmed by everything that's going on. So I'm sure, I'm like positive that that opinion is gonna change um, seeing episodes two and three, but for now I haven't been like enthralled with it overall, which is a little disappointing, but I'll wait again. That will change.
0: Yeah, uh, to talk a little bit more about episode three, I guess, uh, without again, getting into spoilers, I will say that there are a few like bigger reveals in this episode uh, that will like, there's, again, without spoiling anything, uh, there's one reveal about just like the character of Loki um, that I think is really interesting. And it's something that I feel like they could have revealed earlier on, just like in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general, um, but they're doing it now. So I guess better late late than never. Um, But then just, so there's a lot of Loki and uh, the character played by Sophia DiMartino uh, in this third episode. Uh, and I think their, their chemistry was was interesting. Again, I think like just the characters themselves have a really interesting back and forth. But again, I wasn't big on just like uh, that, that actress in that role in particular, um, at least again, as of now. Um, but hopefully they changed my mind moving forward. Um, so yeah, uh, from there, we'll just jump into our, our news for the week. Uh, we've got a few comic book things to talk about this week. Uh, first of all, with Shazam: Fury of the Gods, obviously the sequel to Shazam, uh, that's uh, in production right now. Uh, we got our first official look uh, at the costume, the updated costumes for the the Shazam family, uh, the the group of heroes that are just like the adult versions of Billy Batson and his whole uh, Foster family, um, and I think they look really good. Uh, we got a look at these characters uh, at the at the very end of the first Shazam. Uh, and they've updated their suits uh, along with the Shazam suit. Uh, in this movie, they look a little bit, they look like there's a little bit more money to be spent. They're not quite as, um, this is, we're trying to make a big budget superhero movie for as little, as small a budget as possible. Like, I thought like that was kind of what they did with the first Shazam. I think the costumes in the first Shazam looked good, but they were definitely like a little like cartoony. Um, but in this one, they look a little bit more, like there was more work put into them. Um, and I think they look solid. Um, and then also, so they're filming this movie now. Uh, we got some set photos that revealed Helen Mirren's costume as Hespera, uh, who I guess is one of the villains in this movie. Um, I think she looks really interesting. She looks really like weird and eclectic and it's just kind of fun that it's Helen Mirren. Uh, and one of the photos that came out is just like her and Shazam sitting at a table in their costumes, just like eating lunch. Uh, I think that's kind of funny. I'm sure that'll be a, an interesting scene. Um, But yeah, just in general, uh, just with this official photo and these set photos, uh, what reaction do you guys have?
1: Yeah, I think it looks really solid. Um, Yeah, I think the suits mostly look the same, but just look a little bit like leaner and just more polished, not as bulky and cartoony as you were saying. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited about this. I think this is a DC property that I still care about a lot. And I think it seems like they're, Pretty invested in it, and I'm glad they are, um, considering that the first one didn't make a ton of money. Um, but yeah, I I would I want to see a ton more from this specific universe. So, Ooh, woohoo is what I say.
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, I didn't when I when you sent the picture of the suits. I don't think I took a super close look, but I just. Kind of compared it to the suits in the end of the first shazam and yeah like you were saying there's been i think a big upgrade um which hopefully will translate to i don't know just a more believable uh if that's possible in a superhero movie more believable feel for for this uh of the gods but again i am not uh an expert whatsoever
0: uh, and yeah, another DC movie that's currently shooting and that has had a lot of set photos coming out from is The Flash uh, being directed by um, Andy Andy Muschietti, who obviously did the It movies a couple of years ago. Um, and so they're shooting this movie in London right now. Uh, and I guess they're gonna kind of use London to double as central city. Um, I guess they're gonna be using some CGI to like make it look a little different. So it's not very obviously London. Um, but So we got some really interesting set photos out of this as well. Uh, first of all, we got um, just generally a shot of Barry Allen on the steps of a courthouse. Uh, and the interesting thing about this shot is he's wearing uh, his flash ring. Um, so for those not in the not in the know with the comics, the flash ring is just like this golden ring that he keeps his costume in. Um, and so when he starts running, he, it just like comes out of the ring and goes on him. And it's just kind of like his, just like a thing from the comics that's uh, pretty tied to that character that at least as of where I was in the Flash show when I stopped watching, they had not introduced yet. I'm sure they have by this point. It's like seven seasons in or something. Um, Dave is sh- shaking his head yes, so I'm assuming they have introduced it. Um, but I'm just glad to see that's in this movie. Uh, I think it's a, an interesting concept. Uh, but then also the big news here is that we got our first look at Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne uh, and Sasha Collier's, uh Supergirl. So Bruce Wayne, I think Michael Keaton looks great. Uh, on, on the set for this movie it looks like they gave him a hair piece that is more matching of the way he looked in the Batman films from 1989 and uh, in the 90s um, but I think he looks great he looks very stylish he has a pretty cool car um, and then Sasha uh Supergirl I think also looks really interesting um, because so she has the same like Superman logo design as Henry Cavill's Superman which I think is interesting so I'm curious to see like what how they handle her character and if she's tied to Henry Cavill's version of Superman at all, or if it's just kind of happens to look similar if she's from a different universe. Um, but I think her costume looks really solid. I really like how it, uh, I like the red coming over the shoulders and everything. Um, and there's some wider shots that have her uh, in the cape and everything. And I think the cape looks really solid. And just generally she looks like a very kind of powerful super being. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm on board for this. I'm really curious to see how they tie these characters into this movie. Um, and I'm hoping that we get more set photos or just more looks at this in general. I think The Flash is very quickly becoming like my most anticipated DC movie just in general. Um, so yeah, have you guys seen uh, these set photos and what did you think of them?
1: Yeah, so I think as I've said before, not a fan of Ezra Miller's Flash. Um, and, but I do love the flash as a character and, and Andy Muschetti was really great um, directing the hit movies. Um, and I, I just feel like I have a lot of questions about this movie, about where it's going to go, both in like good and bad ways. Like, I don't really know exactly what to expect from this, even though they've already revealed a bunch of characters who are going to be in it it just seems like there's a lot going on and I think that could be really cool. I think they could do a lot of really cool things with Supergirl and bringing in Michael Keaton's Batman and also having Ben Affleck in this but I also think it could be just like kind of a mess and just kind of a here are a bunch of cool characters and then the Flash is also here. Um, So yeah I'm definitely very interested in this and I love Michael Keaton as Batman so like very hype for just that reason alone but Yeah, I think this all looks good, and I think once we get, like, actual footage, I'll be more excited.
2: I do not have many thoughts, because I'm not a fan of this universe or these characters, really. But um, I looked it up, and I like her hair. Then that's all I have to say. (laughs)
0: Um, So, yeah, our next uh, bit of comic book news uh, comes from the world of Sony Spider-Man spinoffs. Um, and this time we're talking about Silk. Which last time I heard about this, uh, I was under the impression that they're making a Silk movie. Um, Silk is just like another adjacent Spider-Man character, like that. Yeah, has Spider-Man powers if I'm remembering her correctly. I don't know a lot about the character. Um, but uh, the news this week is that this, instead of being a movie, it's going to be a live-action television show um, that's going to be. Uh, premiering through Amazon Prime, and they have tapped uh, Tom Spezioli, or I probably pronounced that wrong, but that's the way I'm gonna pronounce it. Um, So they have tapped him to be the show owner, and previously he has worked as an executive producer on both The Leftovers and uh, The Watchmen show that was on HBO Max uh, last year, was it? Or the year before, I don't know. At some point in the past couple of years. I don't know much about this character, and I have not watched any of those shows. Um, I'm just vaguely interested in this. I'm curious to see what a Sony-developed live action superhero show looks like. Is this connected to like their their Venom universe that they're building out or not? They haven't really said. Um, so I'm curious to see how this turns out, but I'm not necessarily like excited about it at this point. Um, are you guys at all interested in this Silk TV
1: show? Uh... I'm very lukewarm on any Sony Spider-Man things that happen that aren't into the Spider-Verse. But yeah, I mean, I feel like a Spider-Man adjacent TV show could be kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, I think, yeah, I'd be interested to see if this is part of the the venom averse or whatever they're calling it. Um, Kyle, as an aside, I'm not sure if you had heard this, but on um, the Weekly Planet, which is a podcast that Kyle and I both like to listen to, um, they called uh, this universe the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel, also known as Spum. So I think we should just call it Spum from now on, because I think that's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if this is part of anything, um, but it could be good, I guess.
2: I will say that I do not have any interest in this, but. That is not going to surprise
1: anyone. I'm shocked, truly, that you have no thoughts on this Silk this TV show.
2: I, uh, I like the name and that's it. <laughs> it's inventive.
0: Uh, but yeah, moving on from there to our just general movie news. I've got to talk a bit about John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, there was a report that came out this past week that Wesley Snipes had joined the cast, but that report has been uh, debunked by... Uh, a reporter from the hollywood reporter uh, i think it was I, I, I forget the the guy's name right now it's like boris something um, i forget his name but he's like one of the one of like the top like movie industry reporters out there and he's like they were talking about it but then it didn't go through it didn't uh, it didn't happen but john wick chapter 4 has added uh, hiroyuki Sonata um, in a major role um, and Hiro, uh, Hiroyuki Sonata is I believe a Japanese actor um, and he's most well known for, he was just in Army of the Dead. He was the guy that hired them to like go to the hotel. Uh, but then he played Scorpion in Mortal Kombat this year. He had a small role in Westworld. Um, he had a very small role in Avengers Endgame. He was the guy that uh, Hawkeye as Ronan goes and kills at like the beginning of the movie which I'm still upset because he's like a really good actor. And he's been, he's been in a lot more things like he was in uh, The Wolverine and Lost and like a bunch of other stuff. He's a really good actor, um, but then he just has this tiny role in Avengers Endgame. And I kind of wish that they had done more with him, but that's an aside. Um, yeah, he's been cast in a lead role uh, in John Wick chapter four. And so I am very excited about that because again, he's a great actor. He's great at action sequences. And obviously John Wick is pretty well known for Jackson's week action sequences. And this John Wick Chapter 4 cast just keeps building week by week. So I'm I'm a big fan of the John Wick movies. And so it checks out that I am excited for John Wick 4. Um, do you guys have any reaction to this? Do you like this actor? Does it get you any more or less interested in John Wick Chapter 4?
1: Um. Well, I remember him being pretty good in the one scene that he is in in Avengers Endgame. Um, and I kind of don't remember which one Scorpion is in Mortal Kombat. I think I do, but I'm not sure. Um, Cause I just kind of don't remember that movie, but yeah. You know, I need to see John Wick at some point. And so I'm intrigued by this fourth movie. Um, and so I'm sure I will just watch all three right before that fourth one comes out. So.
2: I probably would say that this doesn't change my level of interest because I also have not seen any of the John Wick and I really truly do not have any interest because I just don't like excessive violence. It makes me sad. So I will probably not be watching it anytime soon.
0: John Wick is pretty violent. So I can, I can confirm that. Um, but yeah, moving on from there, uh, we're gonna talk about uh, Ari Aster's next film. So Ari Aster, Uh, If you don't know, directed Hereditary a few years ago, and then *Midsummer*. and he's currently working on his next film for A24. It's called Disappointment Boulevard, Um, and according to Deadline, project details are being kept under wraps, but the plot is described as an intimate, decade-spanning portrait of one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time, Um, but the reason it's in the news this week is because, in addition to *Walking Phoenix, who joined the cast a while back, uh, the film has enlisted Nathan Lane, Patti LuPone, uh, Amy Ryan and Kylie Rogers. Um, so yeah, as with, I feel like every film Ari Aster does and it's probably going to keep doing as his become, as he becomes a more well-known name, um, it's got a great cast. Uh, I'm really curious to see what Nathan Lane does in this because um, I don't know, he's not a name I would have picked to be in an Ari Aster movie, uh, but I'm very curious to uh, see what this movie is. Um, as I've mentioned before, I think Ari Aster is definitely a talented director. Like, I think that is indisputable. I haven't personally been a fan of the the two films that he's done so far, but I think like the filmmaking talent is, yeah, unarguable. Un- um, but yeah, Mia, you in particular are, are a fan of Ari Aster's work. So, what's your reaction to this cast and this just movie in particular?
2: Well, I think I always get excited when there's new A twenty four movie because I will like 95% sure see it no matter what it's about or who's in it or who's directing it um and because it's Ari Aster that makes me more excited um I'm a big well hmm, I'm a big fan of his style I can't say that I would ever watch Hereditary or Midsummer again just because they're so deeply affecting um and just they're a lot to get through um but I also am a big fan of Joaquin Phoenix and I have seen work I think from, well, at least Amy Ryan and that's, and that might actually be it. Um, so I can't really speak to the rest of um, the new actors who've been added, but um, I mean, I'm excited for this definitely. And I'm excited to see kind of how Ari and uh, Joaquin like work together and just seeing like the acting style, I think, especially from Joker um seeing how that kind of comes out in in an ari aster and an a24 film i'm just super excited
1: i don't have too many thoughts on this because i've not seen any of ari aster's work but um yeah i like nathan lane and patty lapone so cool, cool beans you know um yeah so moving on from there uh
0: we got another disney live action animated movie adaptation in the works. Uh, This time it's Snow White. Uh, It's being directed by Mark Webb um, and production's expected to start in 2022. Um, But the big news is that they have cast the lead role of Snow White and it's gonna be Rachel Zegler, um, who I have not seen in anything yet. Uh, She seems to be like an upcoming big star that isn't a big star yet because she has like one of the lead roles in West Side Story later this year. Um, And then she's also part of the cast of Shazam, uh shazam uh, fury of the gods which is shooting right now so she's on set working for that right now um and yeah she's been cast as snow white um it's hard to react to that casting because i haven't seen her act in anything but i don't know i think i'm not dying to see a live action adaptation of snow white and maybe it'll be good if it's good cool I'll enjoy it, but I'm not particularly like excited about it. I think the casting of Rachel Zegler is interesting. Um, and that's probably like the most interesting thing about the project right now, but I don't have too much of a reaction to this. Um, do you guys have any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting that, yeah, I mean, she's getting a lot of pretty big roles um, for someone who hasn't had um, her movie debut yet. So she's not really a big star yet. Um, But hopefully this is a good sign that Hollywood executives seem to already know that West Side Story is gonna be good and that they're like, we wanna capitalize on this. So hopefully that's what that means. And I'm not just grasping at straws. Um, But my only other thought on this is that Hollywood has already perfected um, the Snow White formula with 2012 Snow White and the So I don't think they should even try anymore.
2: Um, Yeah, I think I was just looking up her Wikipedia yeah because she really hasn't been in anything that has come out yet. Um and I saw that she was in a play like her high school's play of Beauty and the Beast she was Belle and then she was Ariel in The Little Mermaid. So I I bet that that certainly uh goes to I don't know is in her favor for playing like another Disney character. Um I am this is just I was thinking about it yesterday while driving and you know she, her mother is like Colombian. So she's Colombian American. Like she is not white. And literally the whole shtick with Snow White is that it's like her skin is as white as snow. Her hair is as black as braids, Her eyes are as blue. It's something that's blue. Like, are they going, I have the sneaking suspicion that they're gonna give her a different name, like a name, name instead of Snow White. um, And like explore that because they can't bank on her being like Snow White. I don't know. Those are my thoughts.
0: Uh, this kind of reminded me of a, of another new story that came out this week that I haven't added to the doc, so we don't need to talk about it too much. Um, but the Little Mermaid uh, live action film directed by Rob Marshall is currently shooting, uh, I believe in Spain, um, but uh, there were some set photos that came out from that um, and we saw uh, Halle Bailey as Ariel um, in these set photos and yeah I think she looks pretty good, I think it's the sequence. Or it is a sequence in which, like, she's on land for the first time, and it looks like she's kind of so, like, in the if you guys remember the animated Little Mermaid, like, she kind of just washes up on the beach, and then Prince Eric comes, and then that's just kind of immediately where they go, and it looks like they're having her be on land by herself a bit first, um, and just kind of like exploring and just like seeing what the human world looks like, and I think that's really interesting, Um, and Halle Bailey looks good in the role in the role there's some people complaining that her hair like isn't as red as they want it to be it's like but that's a small thing like it's kind of unnatural to have just like straight like sharpie red hair um but i think her hair looks really good um and yeah i'm just generally looking forward to it have
1: you guys seen any of these set photos
0: um um
1: i haven't and i tried a quick twitter search and i could not find anything so
0: I will, after we're done, I'll try finding them and sending them to you guys there. They look pretty good. Um, I'm just, yeah, we'll see how this movie turns out. Uh, it's got Lynn, manuel Miranda doing music for it. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, moving on from there, uh, we got some news about the, the <laughs> our most ante- I feel like I make this joke every week, but I, I, it's a joke that I enjoy making. Uh, our most anticipated movie of the next few years, uh, the seventh Transformers movie um and so the this new transformers movie um it's been officially titled transformers rise of the beasts um it's going to be coming to theaters in june of 2022 so june 4th specifically so we're already less than a year away from this movie coming out um it's going to be set during the 90s uh starring anthony ramos and dominique uh, dominique fishback um and a quote from the art uh from the press release about all of this says that it's gonna take audiences on a 90s globetrotting adventure and introduce the Maximals, Predacons, and Terrorcons to the existing battle on earth between Autobots and Decepticons. So I guess in addition to Autobots and Decepticons, there's three other different factions of, of Transformers out there. Sure, why not? I don't know. I don't really care about this movie. The Transformers movies, specifically the um, the most recent one. Uh, I don't even remember what it was called. Um, but it's pretty garbage. Um, and I will say one thing working in this movie's favor is the fact that Michael Bay is not directing it. I don't remember who's directing it off the top of my head but I know it's not him. So yeah, maybe it'll be good, but probably not. Do you guys have any reaction to this?
1: I have never seen any Transformers things. Um, so no, but maybe that since Anthony Ramos is in this, maybe, maybe I will I will go watch this one, but I'm not not quite sold.
2: I will just completely echo Dave and say that big, big fan of Mr. Mr. Ramos, but I have not seen a Transformers movie and I don't intend to anytime soon. Don't really like cars, don't really like monsters that much.
1: But but Um, can we, can we interest you in, yeah, first of all, they're robots. And yeah, I mean, you might not like cars and monsters, but can we interest you in car monsters? You know, maybe the combination will be what pushes you over the edge
2: unless there are big sharks involved i want nothing to do with it
1: one of the one of the
0: uh autobots in these movies does turn into a big dinosaur though so it turns into a big big old t-rex that breathes fire so
2: well that's not biologically correct so that's a little annoying
1: (laughs) the robot robot dinosaur mia
2: no, no thanks, no. I'm good, I'm good.
0: There's already some speculation online that we're gonna see a lot more of, of big robots turning into big dinosaurs or beasts or the set or the like in this movie because of the title, Rise of the Beasts. Um, I don't know, maybe. It'll be a lot of explosions and really expensive visual effects, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, moving on from there, uh, Harrison Ford is, so obviously shooting Indiana Jones 5 right now. Um, and I feel like in a news story that nobody wants to hear, but nobody's like surprised to hear, uh, he hurt himself uh, rehearsing a fight scene for this movie. Not much, not many details have been given about what the extent of his injuries. Apparently it's just, he hurt his shoulder in some way. Um, and so he's out of production for a bit and they're just gonna film scenes without him in them for right now uh, until he is back in filming condition, I guess. So yeah, don't have much to say about that. I guess, wish a speedy recovery to Harrison Ford. Um, do you guys have any reaction to this?
1: You know, I it seems like he has a, he has a knack for getting hurt on set because he shattered his leg filming Star Wars, <laughs> I believe. Um, and he's almost crashed planes multiple times. And so I just think someone needs to be like, hey, listen, Harrison, just maybe take it a bit easy. You know, like just be... You are, you are a treasure, um, and we want to make sure that you don't accidentally severely injure yourself <laughs> through acting or doing stunts or doing anything, so. Uh,
0: how old do you guys think Harrison Ford is, just off the top of your head?
1: Well, I know he's going to be 80 when the new one comes out, so I'm going to say, like, 78, 79?
0: He is 78. That is, that is correct. Okay. He turns 79 uh, on July 13th, um, I oh. guess, Happy birthday to him. Um, so yeah, uh, moving on from there, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Um, so obviously, is starring in the upcoming Black Widow, which releases here in like two weeks, we're we're getting pretty close to that. Um, but she is continuing her her partnership with Disney by producing and starring uh, in a film about the Tower of Terror. Uh, so Tower of Terror, I believe, is a is a Disneyland ride um, that. I think recently was converted into a guardians of the galaxy ride. I don't know if it's still a guardians of the galaxy ride. Um, So I don't know. I don't really have much of a reaction to this. It's just another Disney movie based on a theme park ride. Uh, Obviously there's been a a bunch of those over the years, the most successful of which has been pirates of the Caribbean. Um, But then there's also like the haunted mansion and then we're getting jungle cruise this summer. Um, And now I guess this tower of terror movie. So I don't know, maybe it'll be good, but also
1: why? I don't know you guys have any any thoughts on that so as as a, a big disney park aficionado here i can give some some backstory so yeah the one in disneyland is a Guardians of the galaxy right now um they just kind of ditched the whole tower of terror thing it initially like just the general concept of tower of terror was that it was tied into the twilight zone um so like the one in disney world i think still has like like Rod Serling, who is the host of like the original Twilight Zone, like gives a little speech about how you're about to enter a spooky hotel and stuff. And there's like, you're about to be in the Twilight Zone and stuff like that. Um, So I'm assuming they will not do that with this because I'm guessing they don't have the rights to that. Um, I think Paramount has the rights to that. Um, But yeah, I think this could be interesting. Apparently there was a um, TV movie of this in 1997 based off of Tower of Terror. Um, that I've never heard of until just now researching this. So yeah, I feel like it'll just be like, I think they made one with like about Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. That was not good. And so I feel like it'll just be like faux spooky um, Disney movie that isn't actually anything. So do you have any
0: thoughts on this, Mia? Not
2: particularly. I don't know like any Disney rides or their history whatsoever. So no, but I like Scarlet, so Cool. That's cool. Good for her.
0: Yeah. Um, I just think this whole like making Disney movies based on Disneyland and Disney World rides thing is really weird. I don't know. Maybe that's because so I've never been to Disneyland or Disney World or anything. Just haven't experienced that. So maybe I'm maybe I'm missing out. But I'll, also, I think it's just weird to sink that much money into something to just advertise your theme park. But I guess they do make a lot of money from their theme parks. So. I don't know. Uh, moving on from there, uh, we got the news that Jerry Seinfeld is directing and starring in a Netflix film called Unfrosted, which is about the invention of Pop-Tarts. Um, his quote, uh, this news just came, out, just came out today, and his quote was that he was stuck at home watching endless sad faces on TV, and I thought it would be a good time to make something based pure on... I thought it would, this would be a good time to make something based on pure silliness. So we took my Pop-Tart stand-up bit from my last Netflix special and exploded it into a giant crazy comedy movie. So yeah, I have not seen Jerry Seinfeld's last stand-up special because I don't watch a lot of Jerry Seinfeld. Um, if I'm being honest, I don't think I've seen a single episode of Seinfeld, um, which I know it might be surprising to some people. Davis shaking his head and throwing his hands up in the air. I, yeah, I, I know. Um, but... So yeah, I guess we're just getting a weird pop-tart comedy movie starring Jerry Seinfeld and directed by Jerry Seinfeld. So I'm sure it'll be interesting for sure. I'm sure
1: it'll get some buzz. But yeah, do you guys, are you looking forward to this? Speaking of buzz, I hope this is as good as the B movie, which was Jerry Seinfeld's last movie that he was in, I believe. Um, But yeah, I, you know... Sure, man, make a Pop-Tart movie, go crazy, you know? I, I seem to remember from that standup special, cause I'm pretty sure I watched it with my parents. Um, it was like barely even like a joke about Pop-Tarts. It was just like, I like Pop-Tarts as a kid. And everyone was like, ha ha ha, Jerry. And he was like, I should make a movie about this. <laughs> so I think that's, that's pretty much what happened. Um, but yeah, I think it could be like a weird, dumb, like, Imagine the founder but just a, a weird comedy with Jerry Seinfeld. I, th- I feel like that could be something.
2: I have almost no thoughts. again, no one is surprised. Um, I also have not seen like anything with Jerry Seinfeld in it. I don't think I've even finished the B movie. So.
1: Well, really. how, how dare you miss that pillar of cinema?
2: I think I'm good. I'll, I'll pass.
0: Yeah, so moving on, uh, we got a bit of TV news. Uh, first of all, just a general Disney Plus story. Uh, they made the announcement that all Disney Plus original series are officially shifting to Wednesday release dates uh, as of July. So this is going into effect here in just a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so, I, they, and they, were, they did note that this is only for Disney Plus TV series. Any original movies going to Disney Plus will still premiere on Fridays. Um, I think this is just to clear Fridays. Now that movies are starting to come back that way, the whatever the buzz of that movie of the week is, it doesn't over uh, overshadow whatever's coming out on Disney plus that week. So like, I don't think Marvel would want to be airing a show, uh, an episode of like Hawkeye when like Shang-Chi comes out or something like that. I think they would on, on different dates. Um, So yeah, I think this makes sense. Uh, I think the, the Wednesday release dates for Loki, um, I will say have been like, I feel like a bit of my anticipation over the week is is gone. And maybe that's just the fact that it's a third Marvel show that we've had this year. Um, but, or maybe it's the fact that it's Wednesdays instead of Fridays now. Um, I don't know. It doesn't bother me too much, um, but do you guys have any, any strong feelings on this one way or the other?
1: Not really. I think it makes sense. Um... I mean, if you think about it, it just means that we will technically get all of the Marvel shows two days earlier than we were going to, um, so that's big news, um, but yeah, not not too many other thoughts besides that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any thoughts either. I think I was more surprised, like, at the beginning, or, like, whenever it was that you sent out that um, announcement, Kyle, but since then, like, thinking about it, like, it makes a lot more sense and honestly it doesn't really make that much difference to me anyway because i end up seeing the episode like days or sometimes weeks after it comes out so it doesn't make that much of a difference to me
0: yeah and one other disney plus story i wanted to quickly mention uh deals with peter jackson's uh upcoming documentary about the beatles uh it's called the beatles get back uh, So basically the news here uh, is that instead of it being a documentary, it's now being turned into a docu-series. It's gonna be a three-part docu-series that premieres on Disney Plus Thanksgiving weekend. And the way they're doing the release is like, I don't know what days it's gonna be, but like uh, they're basically doing one episode a day for three days. Um, So like, I assume like the Thursday of that week, you'll get the first episode, the Friday you'll get the second one and Saturday, like the third one or something along those lines. Um, So yeah. I'm really excited about this docu-series. Um, The sneak peek they released earlier in the year I thought was really good. Uh, And obviously I'm just a big fan of Peter Jackson and the Beatles. So I don't think there's anything uh, that's not up my alley about this. Um, But do you guys have any, are you looking forward to this docu-series at all? Um, And does it being a series rather than a big long documentary change your feelings about it one way or the other?
1: You know, um, I think I didn't really See this, but um, I heard a lot about his documentary about World War One a few years ago, um, and I heard that was really great. Um, and that was like restoring old footage um, in a similar vein as this. So yeah, I think this could be really interesting. Um, yeah, I kind of like that it. it's in the form of a docu series. So that to me, that says that there, there will be a lot of length and substance to it, and like enough that. That's too much for like just a movie, um, but yeah, yeah, I like the Beatles and I can I can I can get behind this
2: i I think um, it definitely is a good idea to like shift it to what it will be like this this format of uh, of three parts. I think that'll appeal to a lot more people um, and I don't know if how much that will affect like viewing overall um, but I don't think I'm like especially excited for it or or not excited for it like it'll probably be a thing that maybe I put on my watch list and then years later I realize I haven't watched it so maybe not the best person to ask just because yeah I tend to do that I'll put things on my watch list and then never like ever get around to it because I just watch the same things over and over
0: I uh, can, can relate to that. <laughs> my, I feel like my watch list is always getting longer. Um, and yeah. Um, yeah, so moving on from there, we got two trailers to talk about this week. Uh, first of all, we got the trailer for Pig, which is a new A24 movie starring Nicolas Cage, in which he's a, a truffle hunter whose pig gets stolen, and he's just going around looking for his pig. And the movie, it looks very dark. Um, it looks very kind of self-serious, but like in a good way. Um, and then obviously we got the trailer for the Suicide Squad as well. Um, so this is the, the second full trailer or supposed suppose the third full trailer we've gotten for the Suicide Squad at this point. Um, I think it's a pretty solid trailer. I wasn't like blown away by it by any means. I feel like it's a lot of the same kind of like vibes that we've gotten from the previous two trailers. So I don't really have a lot to say about that. Otherwise, then I'm excited about it. We're only a month and a half away from uh, this movie's release. So yeah, woo, woo for that. Um, do you guys have
1: any... Any thoughts
0: on either of these two trailers? Are you are you excited about either of them?
1: You know, I think I think Pig looks very compelling. I don't know if it'll be good, but it'll. I think it'll be something. Um, I, I think just the concept of Nicolas Cage looking for his truffle hunting pig is a very is a very delightful thing. Um, but yeah, I think I liked the Suicide, the Suicide Squad trailer better than the other ones. I think it just gave you a better sense for like what the plot was and just generally what's going on um, and I just like the jokes that were in it so yeah I'm really excited for it's been like yeah a little over a month now which is kind of crazy but yeah very exciting
2: um well I have not seen either trailer of these um I'm not I don't think I've really been tracking Nicolas Cage the last couple of years so I haven't been really interested in what he's what he's doing Um, and I also have not seen the first Suicide Squad or um, the, what's it? Harley Quinn movie. Can't even think of it.
0: Uh, birds of Prey.
2: There we go. Uh, so again, not not really looking forward to it. Like not really counting down the days until Suicide Squad comes out. But I'll be interested in hearing your reactions. So that's, that's the amount of, uh, amount of interest that I have linked to it. <laughs>
0: Uh, does the fact that Pig is an A24 movie get you interested in it at all?
2: It does a little bit, definitely. I'll I'll be sure to like actually watch the trailer and then I'll gauge my interest.
0: But. Um, so yeah, I guess from there we'll just jump into our main topic for the week. Um, and as we had alluded to last week, our main topic this week is we're going to be talking about the best movie villains. Uh, obviously last week we talked about the worst movie villains, so we thought this week we would... Do the other side of that coin and just talk about which movie villains we think are the the top of the top. Um, so yeah, we've all got uh, our own little lists made of some some great movie villains that we can talk about. Um, and so yeah, we'll probably just do like a round robin, loose conversation type type thing. Uh, so yeah, Mia, let's start with you. Uh, what what do you consider to be one of the best movie villains?
2: Oh boy. Well, I felt really prepared going into this and then I realized I only have like four, possibly. Yeah, four. So I want to save my best for last because I really enjoyed talking about it. Um, so we'll start with my, well, we'll start with my number three because actually he should be number four. Um, that is Bucky Barnes in Capture America, The Winter Soldier. Um, and I feel the need to explain like how I rank these villains, um, because they change depending, like depending on the character that I talk about. So I think Bucky makes it onto this list, um, because he is most definitely portrayed like as a villain in this care in this, um, movie, um, and he's even a better villain, I think, because he gets such a great redemption in the ensuing movies, Um, but for this one he is just i think really well written um i remember it being kind of shocking to me when i saw the movie for the first time just because i was not aware of anything that was going on in the mcu so i was shocked i really liked the emotional connection um that this villain had to captain america like to steve directly um because it's his old war buddy and um i think they just Led up to it really, really well with the amount of uh, like recognition that the audience and Steve had to him. Like we saw his eyes briefly in a couple like up close um, shots before the final reveal when his mask gets taken off. Um, yeah, I think he's just super, super strong, like, well-written, well-fleshed out, the pacing is really great with his character development, um, specifically in Couch American Winter Soldier, so that is why he is on my list.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's, I think that's a really interesting pick, because, like, I wouldn't have really, like, yeah, that's just not one that came to mind for me, just because, like, obviously, since Bucky has become, like, a hero in the MCU at this point, that I often, like, forget, even though Winter Soldier is my favorite MCU movie, I forget that, he was really kind of like a villain in that movie, and yeah, I think Sebastian Stan did a pretty good job. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, Dave, or would you like to go ahead and uh, give us one of your villains?
1: I'm I'm ready to, to 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 pop one hour right now, so let's uh let's 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 get it going. Um, I'll I'll start my list off. I don't know why this was the like one that came to mind, but like like last week where I had a very specific. One for worst villains with um, Mr. Freeze uh, from Batman and Robin. For some reason, uh, the person who popped into my mind when thinking about this was President Snow from The Hunger Games. Um, so, yeah, I think the reason why is: A, uh, Donald Sutherland as President Snow is great. He's really, he's just a great per- performance. He's such like, a posh and scary man in like a way that like, I don't really think I've seen in other places where he's so like well put together that it's scary. Like that's like what makes him so villainous. Um, and I think also because I, those came out when I was a, a preteen to teen. And I think I was just like this, this man is real bad and I don't like this. I <laughs> think he just like really scared me and this made a big impact on me. And I, I guess, I guess spoiler alert, um, but, yeah, when he when he gets um, just like beaten to death by people I think that was a pretty good pretty good ending for him um, but yeah he's just kind of a consistently very terrible man um, throughout those throughout all of those movies um, and he just sucks and that's what makes him good is that I was very I, I think the mark of a good villain is when I am very happy to see him die so
0: Um, yeah, uh, the first villain I want to bring up is kind of like, in my opinion, uh, like the movie villain, uh, and that is Darth Vader, um, just cause like, so it's no secret that I'm a big Star Wars, I'm a big Star Wars guy. Um, I think the Star Wars movies, um, were a massive part of my childhood, um, which just endlessly re rewatched the original trilogy. And I, I like the first movie I remember seeing in theaters is, uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, But yeah, Darth Vader in the original trilogy is just like such a menacing character. Um, And just whether it's the suit or the way uh, David Prowse uh, like portrays the physicality of the character or James Earl Jones voice um, or just like the way that all three of those things come together make for just like an absolutely kind of terrifying villain who in the first Star Wars, you only see like he only has like 10 minutes of screen time in the first Star Wars. Like he's barely in it. Um, but yeah, he's just such an, like an overarching, um, like menace of the, of those original three movies. But I think what really kind of makes him, uh, beyond just like how iconic he is in those movies, uh, I think what makes him such a good villain to me, um, is the context that is then provided for that character in both the, the prequels and specifically the, the Clone Wars animated series, where those movies and show like really develop the character of Anakin Skywalker, um, and kind of show like little seeds of like who he would become later on. Um, and I just think that character is such a well-rounded character and his transition to the dark side, I think is really, is really interesting. Um, and at least in terms of Revenge of the Sith and the Clone Wars series, um, it's really well handled. Um, and yeah, I just, he's Darth Vader. Like, I feel like I don't really have to explain that much more other than just saying he's Darth Vader. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's my pick. I think he's probably a, my favorite movie villain um just because like i I feel like he brings the emotion that you would want out of a of of a good villain and just like the iconic just like really like he's a kind of a just a by the numbers bad guy that like you need in in a franchise like this um so yeah darth vader that's 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 my first pick
2: that's great i was going to talk about darth vader i was like i feel like someone needs to and then i figured Probably Kyle would cover it, so I'm not nearly as well suited to uh, to talk about him. So I'm glad you did. Uh, well, I have three left. Do we? How many do other people have?
0: I've got a longer list, but I can I can just talk about three if we want to do that.
2: Okay, cool. Um, so next on my list, and you will notice a theme here. <laughs> three out of four of them uh, are from the MCU. Um, And this bad guy is Zemo, who, again, kind of has some redemption in uh, Falcon, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But um, I'm going to talk about him in the context of uh, Captain America Civil War, where he really is the main villain. Um, I think what I wrote down here on my list is that he was kind of the first villain to really point out the flaws in the Avengers at least that we saw in the MCU where he was um I mean that was really the beginning of like the conflict obviously civil war the conflict that you see within the Avengers but it really lent a lot of uh I think humanity to the movies overall and that provided like a lot of emotional weight i think both to the movie overall and to zemo's character because he's definitely like portrayed as someone who you can't really relate to but i think when i like was sitting down and thinking about my list um i try to think of like how i relate to the to the characters um and the villains specifically and just seeing like their motivation for for everything and he zemo really like ultimately just wanted revenge and for the avengers i think to realize like the destruction that they were wreaking in uh, in the name of doing good um i don't think i liked maybe everything that they did with his character especially in in civil or yeah in civil war but um i think that he was Definitely a character that you can come back to and kind of peel layers off of him. Um, and obviously now we have his characterization in Falcon and Winter Soldier to kind of compare um, to, the, to the first time that we see him. But I think he's a great character. Uh, I like him more, I think every time that I see him. I think sometimes he's a little bit like too cut and dry in that he's just like stereotypically bad and you don't really see a lot of weakness in him but um, I'll be a little bit more lenient uh, in regards to that. That's mine.
1: Nice, so next, uh, staying on my trend of just a real, um, very mean, rich guy. Um, I'm going with Mr. Potter from um, It's a Wonderful Life. Kyle, based on the gesture you made, were you going to have him on your list? Uh, yes, I
0: was, but I can I can pick someone
1: else. Very good. Um, yeah, he j- just from the jump in that movie, you're just like this guy is bad news. He's just he's a real he's a, he's a classic Scrooge McDuck character of just this guy who just just cares about money and does not care about people. But I, I feel like he kind of goes beyond that villain stereotype and is just a very good foil to um, George Bailey who really just only cares about family and people and doesn't really care about material possessions um, and how uh, Mr. Potter just tries to tempt him throughout the movie and, and tries to get dirt on him by saying, hey, like, I, I will buy out your business or I'll pay you to just like leave me alone and not let me exploit people. Um, and yeah, he I, he is what kicks off George Bailey's spiral that leads to him meet, meeting his guardian angel and realizing what life is worth. Um, and he doesn't really have like, he doesn't really get what he deserves, but because I think the last time we see him is when George Bailey just runs by his office and is like, Merry Christmas, I love my life. Um, and he's like, you're going to jail. And then we just don't see him again. Um, so I I like to think in an alternate ending he just keels over right after that and that's that's the end of him um because he's very old but yeah he's I I love that movie and I feel like he is a semi-cartoony but it's like very good villain that that is a very um good part of that movie
0: yeah I uh agree (laughs) um uh Mr. Potter was also going to be on my list uh, just because yeah he's just such a um, just a kind of generic, but in a good way, just like mean guy. Like he just kind of doesn't care about anyone and he's just in it for the money. Um, and that actor, I don't know the name of that actor, but he does he does such a good job in that role. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess the next villain I'll bring up is is Hal 9000 uh, from uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, kind of for similar reasons as as Darth Vader, just because he's so iconic. Um, But I just think it's just a really interesting concept. Like that movie, that movie is so weird. Like it's just so like out there and like just like from like such an outside perspective and just it's so grand. And then to have just kind of like one of the villains in it just be this, just AI, just like this tiny little like thing um, that's just kind of a very monotonous voice that does such like, I don't know, just such terrifying things and such like, it can instill like such fear in you just through like saying hello. Like it's just the fact that Stanley Kubrick was able to to make that happen and especially um, in the 60s uh, in, in a time so obviously like the way technology has gone since like it's a villain that is kind of ahead of its time. Like it's, it's not really like anything we'd seen before that point or at least not done nearly this well before that point. Um, and it's a character. It's a villain that's just like, yeah. It it deserves its place uh, as as like one of the one of the villains on like the villain Mount Rushmore. If you were to make it, just like put the little square block up there with the with the red eye. Um, but yeah, it's great. If you guys have anything you want to say about nine three thousand, how nine thousand? I saw Mia get excited. Um, you can go for it. But yeah, that's that's my next pick.
2: Yeah, I I was just clapping and I was excited because I got totally like pigeonholed into just thinking about like, like superhero villains. And I couldn't like get myself out of that rut. And you've like had really, really good villains uh, that I have just completely forgotten about. I think both of you. And so I'm excited to see a different, totally different track of thinking that is still like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's a really, really good villain. So that's how I was excited. Um, my number two is, uh, Moriarty from Sherlock. Um, I know Dave has seen it. I don't remember Kyle, if you have really seen it. Okay. Um, I have come back to this character in this show over and over and over. It's my my most watched show. I think I've seen it probably like six or seven times, like all the way through. Um, and I get something new out of all of the characters. I would say probably especially Moriarty. Um, I think again, he's just a very, very well-written character that you can come back and you find something new. Um, just really multifaceted, and there's not really anything likable necessarily about his character. Like he's purely bad. Like he's a psychopath. There is nothing inherently likable in his character. You don't feel any remorse for him, really. Or if you do, you're like, eh, I shouldn't feel like this. But I think it is the combination, like the best of both worlds, when you have like incredible writing and incredible, incredible acting, um, from Andrew Scott coming along together and just like the best casting. I think that show has the most, like hands down best casting I've seen, like in a production, like overall in, in a long time. Um, and I think he's just such an interesting character and he's played so well so and he's like through and through a villain um probably one of the most famous villains of all time i would say when you like look at literature in general um and i think they did him so much justice in just getting a really really captivating actor who's like super charismatic and just like carried the role so well i think he's so cool well not cool i think he's a very well-acted, well-executed character. That's it.
1: Very good, yes. I I think I had mentioned on the show, um, I think was it was last semester now, it's kind of crazy, but um, I had watched uh, Sherlock for the first time with my roommates and yeah, he really stood out to me as just such a great part part, part of that show. I kind of wish we got more of him because he's really just, in one season for the most part, he's kind of, he's mentioned and he's is present in other seasons, but he's really only the main villain for one. Um, but yeah, he's really good. Um, and so, yeah, I will yeah go into my last one, which is one I had kind of written as a joke, but then thinking about it, I think it's actually a pretty good pick and that is the shark from Jaws. Um, so yeah, I think like Mia said I think I, I was kind of just thinking of people villains but robots can be villains too as Kyle said and so can sharks <laughs> um and yeah I think what's so great and timeless about Jaws and Kyle and I did a whole episode about Jaws last year a year ago now which is kind of wild um so if you want to check that out you can but yeah because of the budgetary and technical limitations of the time and of that production, you don't really see the shark for a lot of it. And I think that's what makes it so scary is that you just kind of get this sense of how big and how menacing it is without really actually seeing it until the third act of the movie. Um, And yeah, there's just such great tension um, to that character of the shark. The shark has its own theme that is of course iconic and um, yeah, it's just, I, I think for movie antagonists, it has to be like in conversation for that Mount Rushmore, as Kyle mentioned, so.
0: Yeah, I was also gonna talk about the, the shark from Jaws. So that's, that's the second one you've beaten, beaten me to the punch with Dave. Um, but yeah, I guess next one I wanna talk about is Killmonger uh, from Black Panther. Uh, <laughs> Mia looks like she was Either going to talk about it or like that she that she missed it. <laughs> She's
2: that's my number one. I have a whole list of things about him. If you
0: want, I have others on my list that I can defer to if you want to talk about Killmonger. Go
2: ahead. It'll it'll make it more interesting because i I'll cover it fully. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, just briefly. I just want to say that I think Killmonger is a really interesting foil to uh, to T'Challa as the lead in this film. Because, like, I feel like Wakanda and T'Challa and much of the Black Panther film is about, like, tradition and heritage and just, like, that kind of stuff. But Killmonger is kind of a very opposite kind of force to that. He's very much a uh, throw everything else to the fire for the sake of progress and, like, this is what we have to do. And that's oversimplifying, like, what he's trying to do. But I think it's really interesting how they... He's not just like a cliche comic book villain. He's, he's very thought out and methodical and very, like you understand where he's coming from. And I think if, and it didn't, if it, in a different world, if like maybe he went about things differently, he could have been a hero. Um, and I think that's just like a really interesting um, dynamic to bring to a superhero movie. Um, and I think uh, why Michael B. Jordan's performance as longer is incredible and I think he's probably the best villain we've seen come out of the MCU um in my opinion um and yeah that's briefly uh my, my thoughts on Killmonger. because I don't want to steal everything from Mia um but yeah so I guess Mia what are what are your thoughts
2: um yeah I I mean you kind of like touched on everything I think I would say um and yeah I'll str- struggle to find different words I think to describe him but I think again I've said this so many times but I rank villains like in terms of how I think realistic they are and how you can find yourself in their flaws Um, and that's what makes something someone like realistic and kind of drives the story forward Um, and I was just thinking like his motivation really for like overthrowing T'Challa and um, you know being on the throne of Wakanda is like it is a good, it is for a good cause. It's for sharing, you know, the vibranium with um, people in need or um, underrepresented people, people of color, like in, I think in the United States specifically, but I think he like kind of touches on like different parts of the world. Like that's in the underlying, I think the root of that, of his reason is like for good for the advancement for like bettering the cause of of um people of color especially black people and like that reasoning in that movie in the time that it came out I think was just such a good coupling and such like amazing self-awareness I think for the writers and the director and um and Michael B. Jordan in how he he portrayed Kilmer's character. Um, I think they they walked a very fine line in like making him like just stereotypically bad and not relatable and just like that comic book like that's clearly a villain. Um, and they played that really well with like trying to make him make you empathize basically with his character. Um, I think I've come back to that movie time and time again and just been like blown away by how much empathy I feel for him um and I think they handled his demise like so well I think the first time I saw it I was like he's gonna make it it's gonna be great he's gonna work alongside T'Challa and it's gonna be good but I think they did his character justice in like letting him have that death um seeing the sunset and Yeah, I'm just blown away. I think every time that I watch that movie, like he is such, such a good villain. Um, And he plays off of T'Challa like so well. Yeah. So good. So, so good. I wonder if he's like as good in the comics or if that was really remarkable for that movie to um, portray him in that way. But again, I don't know anything really about the comics. So that's just going off of the movie character.
1: Yeah. So I think we've all done three. Potentially, um, right? Yes, so I can just run through my last few real quick. Um, um, so yeah, I had a Biff from Back to the Future, um, very cartoony, but um, quite good, I'd say, quite memorable. Um, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, um, just A-plus Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman performance. Um, also had Norman Bates from Psycho, Feel like don't need to even say much about him cuz he's just pretty good um and yeah also had Heath Le- also had Heath Ledger's Joker I feel like that's like a top tier villain but I, I think there's just like what is there even to say about him so I just didn't mention him um and my last one which is kind of a joke I just wrote society in joker
0: very good um yeah the rest of my list uh, I also had Heath Ledger's Joker on here um, I had Scar in The Lion King, uh, then uh, Dave had already mentioned him, but I had Mr. Potter uh, from It's a Wonderful Life and The Shark from Jaws, but then I've also got Thanos on here just because I think he was a really good cap to the, to the Marvel Universe up to that point, and then just science in Jurassic Park, but yeah. So yeah, do we have any closing thoughts on just like good movie villains? I think a good movie villain, if done well, like a movie villain, if done well, can be just as crucial to a movie as, as the hero in it. Like it, it can make a movie just as memorable, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, the villain is just as important if not more important than, than the hero. Um, I think that definitely depends on the mo- on the type of movie and the type of story that you're telling. Um, But I think some of the most memorable movies out there are the ones that have the best villains, so.
2: Yeah, and I find that, like, at least in the MCU, like, the weaker movies have the weaker villains, and it's, like, someone that you have immediately forgotten about, or you've forgotten, like, their motivation and their, their plan overall, just because they're, yeah, forgettable overall.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, on that note, I believe this has been episode 56 of Cinebraskans daily Nebraska entertainment podcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I've been joined by my co-hosts, Dave and Berman and
2: Mia Everding.
0: And yeah. So next week is going to be our our last episode. So be prepared for, I guess the emotional ride that's going to be, um, yeah. And then on that note, uh, thanks for tuning in.
2: See ya. See ya.